This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hey everyone, we're pumped to share an exclusive trailer with you after the show. From Blue Wire Studios comes Golden Goal, stories of soccer legends. Narrated by fellow Blue Wire host Brandon Kelly, each Monday, two new episodes will take a look into some of soccer's biggest stars and the moments that define their careers. From Haaland, Zlatan, Messi, Repino, and many more, each episode will focus in on the historical plays and personalities that make the sport great. So stay tuned after the SteelerNation.com podcast episode and listen to Golden Goal, Stories of Soccer Legends, wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, this is Jeff Reed, and you are listening to SteelerNation.com podcast. Hello, Steeler Nation, and welcome to your SteelerNation.com podcast. I'm your host, G. Stryker, and today we welcome back our favorite professional sports writer, sports writer from Homestech.com, Hunter Homestech. Hunter, how you doing today, man? I'm doing well, man. Besides these lies in the opening month, favorite. Come on. I'm, <laughs> I'm honored. I'm honored. Thanks, dude. Happy to be back. Always a good time chatting with you guys. Yeah, and uh, I, I know it's been a couple weeks. We try to get you on fairly regularly, obviously, as often as we can. Um, but funny enough, like every time we tend to set up these live vidcasts and podcasts, something huge breaks in the NFL. And today, we just had our first half-million-dollar player in all of professional sports, and it's the first time the NFL has ever had the number one paid player, it was always MLB or, or uh, NBA, but now Patrick Mahomes, big old $500 million potential um, contract. It looks like it comes out to 477 normally, but with the guarantees and the escalations with a uh, salary cap over the next 10 years, <laughs> he's going to earn half a million dollars. What are your thoughts on that, Hunter? It's insane, but my initial reaction was surprisingly – dude earned that you know like I wasn't super shocked I mean Mahomes is I think he's far and away the best quarterback in the league right now if if there was a redraft of the NFL he'd be the number one overall pick I think yeah it's if anybody earned it coming off a Super Bowl win it's got to be this guy I mean he's he's ridiculous he's super smart athletic got the arm he's just the perfect NFL quarterback for today. The Chiefs have obviously had great success with him. So lock him up for 10 years. They probably would have locked him up for 20 years if they could have. I think <laughs> they, I they, they just want Mahomes, Mahomes forever now. So I like it, man. I love seeing this. And what's really funny about this to me is that normally when a guy gets paid this much, you, get, you hear a lot of, uh, he didn't deserve it. He didn't earn it. Like it's been a really positive reaction. I think everybody likes Patrick Mahomes, the person too. Yeah. which is a really interesting facet of this. It's just, he just seems like such a good kid who really deserves that kind of money, so let's make it happen. Plus, he's the first player now – or actually, he just won the Super Bowl MVP and the MVP of the league. He's the first player to ever win both before the age of 25. That's insane. So this is a value contract. Honestly, if you got to put your money where, <laughs> where it's going to be invested because – he makes that whole team better. The, the yeah. way he can execute plays, his creativity, his ability to throw without even looking at a spot just because he knows that player is running a specific route and he's wide open. I it's, mean, that's yeah. it's just something we haven't seen before, throwing left-handed because the, somebody's on his right hand. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this guy is just something like we've never seen, and for him to earn that kind of contract, like I'm with, I'm with you, Hunter. I think it's very merited. It is, man, and it's scary to think – he's still getting better. I'm pretty sure he's still getting better. You know, as good as he is, he's still super young and, and relatively inexperienced in the league. So there's every reason for the Chiefs to think that he has not reached his peak yet, and I'm sure they're banking on that. And I think the, the structure of the contract, you know, you talked about it a little bit. They, there's a lot of built-in kind of safeguards for the Chiefs there because a 10-year contract sounds on the surface. When I saw 10 years, the money – 
you know, obviously was huge, but at the same time, I was like, I get it. You know, it seems like every year somebody has the mo the richest contract ever just because of the way this thing works. So the money was huge, but I, I was more fascinated with the 10 years. That is a long time to tie yourself to a player, especially one this young, this, this, like I said, relatively inexperienced, you don't exactly know which way he's going to go yet. They're banking on him improving or at least continuing to be what he is. And for 10 years, that's a long time. That's a lot of time for something to go wrong, but they have built in, you know, some safeguards to help protect themselves. So on, on all sides, all the way around, I think this is just a smart, smart play by the Chiefs, smart play by Mahomes, should be a match made in heaven. Should be. And also for one of our neighbors here in the AFC North, Cleveland Browns just came out with some interesting news today, and that is Oliver Vernon. Oliver Vernon being signed to a new contract. Looks like they freed up some cap, and he's also signed a no-tag no clause. So – that's an interesting also thing that we didn't talk about here before this is that Cleveland has a tough time retaining talent and bringing talent in. And to ask for a no tag clause means that Vernon probably doesn't want to be around again after this contract. That's pretty much exactly what it says to me as well. I think Olivier Vernon knows his time is, is coming to an end in Cleveland and he's okay with that. He's going to play it out. He just, he hasn't been what the Browns expected anyway. I mean, he, his best seasons were for sure. Just knocked my mic over. <laughs> rookie, rookie move here talking about the Browns. Got the elimination. Got the, got the, <laughs> Anything can happen. Dude, you st see, <laughs> you, you, start, you start talking about the Browns and you start acting like the Browns. All, all inexperienced and unprofessional over here knocking stuff over. Man, see, just simply mentioning the Cleveland Browns tanks the production value of everything. That's how, that's how it goes when you talk about them. <laughs> but back to Oliver Vernon. Yeah. Your point, your anyway, point Oliver Vernon. Anyway, Olivier. Yeah, like I was saying, his his best seasons definitely seem to be behind him at this point. Or he's just a terrible fit within the Browns organization, as many hyped up hot free agents are when they get there. It's not certainly not the first time we've seen the Browns make a splashy move and the guy didn't live up to where he was elsewhere within the Browns organization. So it's not super surprising. But to me, like looking at the next steps of what this means, what it means to me is that they want Miles Garrett. They're working on how, how are we going to pay Miles Garrett when we have to. So they're trying to free up that space, that money, to make sure they can keep Miles Garrett around because number one overall pick. And as much as Steeler Nation hates this guy and maybe some of that's merited, the dude can play some football. <laughs> like that, he, He's a beast and he's worth keeping around. Yeah, he definitely can. And my worry was with the Browns freeing up that kind of cash was that maybe they're trying to make another counter offer here to Jadavian Clowney to bring him in with Garrett. But, you know, as we discussed and started talking about this earlier, um, you know, I, I think it would be a good personnel move. They definitely wanted him in there. You know, I don't think he wants to play for the Browns because Browns offered him a boatload of cash in the beginning of free agency and he turned it down. And yeah. I think it's just because he doesn't want to play for the Browns. But, I mean, now we're at the point where the top defensive end edge rusher of free agency is still sitting without a team four months after free agency began. And that's yeah. unheard of, unheard of in this, in this free agency, the way free agency is and the way that edge rushers are so highly rated. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's been an insane offseason in that regard. And obviously, the coronavirus pandemic is playing a huge part of that as far as just not being able to get the looks at guys that you want. Negotiations aren't the same. Clowney is really interesting to me, too. Like, his career has been interesting in general, the way that he's kind of just been getting tossed around like he's not as valuable. I feel like, I don't know, I feel like he never exactly lived up to his draft type. And even now, like this many seasons, whatever, five, six seasons into his career that he is, people still see him as like that elite talent that I feel, I feel like he never actually showed that. I don't think he's ever had 10 sacks in a season. I don't think he's ever been exactly the guy, but he still is Jadeveon Clowney. So people still want him, want to give him a shot. But I, he, he seems like a prime candidate for me. I'll put it this way. Seems like a prime candidate for me for whoever does pay up and get him is going to be disappointed with it. Yeah, and, uh, you know, we'll have to see how it works out. But like I said, it's, it's just such an odd thing right now, and it's something we, we've never experienced before. And, and we'll have to see where Clowney yeah. ends up. But right now, you know, who knows if it's going to be with the Browns. I know the Ravens – or sorry, the Raiders were also in the talks. Seattle's been in talks. So it's going to be interesting to see where he finally ends up. For sure.
And moving on, back to Steeler news, because that's what we are, the SteelerNation.com podcast. And Justin McGonigal, our website uh, owner and sports writer, he came at us with an article here on um, Steelers training camp, and the Steelers get a training camp date being July 28th. So training camp date is set. Nice. That's always nice. I mean, it's good as much as we talk about, you know, regaining some normalcy and getting back to normal, getting things going. This stuff always feels good. I liked, you know, switching sports for two seconds, but like the Pirates just released their home schedule for this year. So it's always, it's good to see that people are still planning things out as if things will be normal, whether they actually hold and are normal remains to be seen. You know, I think MLB is already having a lot of problems with testing and teams have had to kind of uh, cancel workouts and things like that because the tests aren't coming back fast enough. So there's a lot still that can go wrong. Like that's what I would caution anybody getting overly hyped. There's still a long way to go here, but it's nice to see that July 28th date is set and there is something on the calendar as far as the Steelers getting back after it and seeing what they got. (laughs) They've got a lot to figure out too. The the Steelers have had not much turnover as far as it goes this season. They They should be pretty set. But I guarantee you they still want to get looks at, especially these rookies, some of the new guys coming in. Stefan Wisniewski, I'm sure they want to see how he fits in and looks on the team. So it's going to be exciting, man. There's still plenty to talk about. When training camp finally opens, it's going to be all systems go. And furthermore, in in training camp, uh, our other writer, John Walker, uh, put out an article for us saying NFL considering reducing the – training camp rosters from 90 to 75 to 80. So what are your thoughts now on having less uh, players here now being able to uh, compete for, for spots on team? Yeah, ultimately I think that's necessary, unfortunately, because there's so many guys who are those 75 to 90 players coming into camp that will make a run throughout camp and and end up making the team. You know, we see it all the time. Duck Hodges, yeah. He got cut, obviously, actually, but then they saw enough in camp to bring him back when they needed him. Like, there's a lot of guys whose careers literally depend on training camp. So yeah. it's oh, yeah. it's super unfortunate for those guys who aren't going to get that chance. And especially, I'm sure everybody remembers when the Steelers were signing all those XFL cast-offs whenever the XFL folded. Yeah. A lot of those guys are pro- were probably banking on training camp to show what they got and to prove that they belong at yeah. the NFL level. So – there's a lot of opportunity lost here, and and who knows exactly what that could look like. I mean, we talk about Duck Hodges, but there's other guys. I mean, freaking James Harrison was one of those guys at one point that needed yeah. to prove out. Like, you don't know those 75 to 90 guys. There could be a legitimate hidden gem that just doesn't get the chance this year, and then I don't know what that looks like. Do you Next year, do they still get that chance? Do they just get cut and shipped away? Like, I'm not sure exactly what that looks like, but there are for sure going to be some casualties in this. Yeah, and – that's interesting points too, because what I really liked about the Steelers going out and getting XFL players meant they didn't have to utilize training camp bodies on players that they really couldn't vet as undrafted rookie free agents. And I thought that was a smart move because you've got players that you've got a lot of tape on and some NFL experience, definitely XFL experience tape too to be able to see if these guys can play in the NFL. So I thought that was a really smart move, especially with COVID-19. You've got players that really don't have to get, you know, brought up to what it is to be a professional ball player. You got those five XFL players that know what it's like to be a professional ball player. Um, But the other contrast, like you're stating as well, I just had Robert Golden on the podcast uh, last week and he would not have made the team if he wasn't one of those 75 to nineties. I mean, he was a monster special teams player, undrafted rookie free agency, strong safety behind, you know, Clark and behind um, Polamalu. It's like this guy wouldn't have even gotten a look. Mm-hmm. And he made the team because of those extra spaces. Special teams monster. Two years later, he's special teams captain. Actually, a year and a half later, he becomes special teams co-captain. And the following two years, it's special teams uh, captain. Yeah. And he had a good career with the Steelers. You know, solid spot starter. Uh, excellent special teams player and a great guy. He was a great guy to talk to as well. But like you're saying with James Harrison, I mean, that's a guy that bounced around different teams practice squads before he became defensive player of the year. And wild. Yeah. It's going to hurt you this year. And I, I honestly hope that, 
you know, the Steelers and other teams do their due diligence on undrafted rookie free agents that don't make that 75 to 90 slot this year that could possibly be brought back next year. Hopefully COVID's gone and they'd be able to actually compete along with the undrafted rookie free agents, but hopefully giving them a chance for their football dreams and their football careers to come through, come true. For sure. It's going to be insanely tough. And I think you nailed the most crucial element of that. Hopefully COVID is gone next year. We don't know for sure that this isn't going to be a thing next year too. I mean, I know. We, we really don't know what it's going to look like. So this season, it's going to be weird no matter what. This season's going to be really strange no matter what happens. But I feel like you're going to see teams for sure rely on experience over youth and potential. They're going to want guys that they can trust and just know their roles, execute their assignments, and, and make the plays that are scripted up. So I don't think you're going to see too many of those fringe guys. I mean, you talked about Robert Golden. I look at Cam Kelly last year was a guy who absolutely wouldn't have made the team without camp and everything, all those extra looks. I mean, I just – it sucks for those guys. I really do feel for those guys because there are, there are players out there who know they have what it takes to make that 53 man roster. And they might just not get the chance this year, man. It's super unfortunate. It is. It is. And now also the NFLPA Jordan DeFigio did an article on stealernation.com as well. And they just voted that they do not want any preseason games now. So, you know, right now it's already been dropped down to two games. Hall of Fame game has already been canceled, which, I thought was going to be an advantage for the Steelers during COVID to have that extra week over top of the other teams to be able to get ready for the season. And that was kind of a, an unfair advantage to tell you the truth when you're trying to ramp up and you don't have OTAs, you don't have mini camps. So now, you know, no hall of fame game two are definitely knocked off. And now NFLPA is just like, we don't want to play any preseason games. So what are your thoughts on that? I'm not surprised off, off the bat. You know, I think, you could kind of see that one coming as far as how their vote would go. Um, with the Steelers, again, the Steelers have very little turnover. I think they'll be okay with this. I think as far as teams go, it's an advantage for the Steelers going in. The less looks everybody gets, the better that works out for the Steelers because there's going to be basically the same team that was on the field last year with Ben on the offense, obviously. I don't think he'll have any problems learning the playbook. I think he'll be okay. And I think Tyson Alulu will be totally fine filling in for Hargrave as well. So I'm not super worried about that level. But, again, you talk about guys who need the preseason to prove themselves and to make the team. That's who, that's who all this hurts. I can't imagine being a rookie or being one of the unsigned guys, being an XFL guy that was planning on this, working your butt off all summer through a pandemic, and then literally not getting the opportunity to show what you can do. That I, I mean, you can't just tell the coaches, look, here's tape from my backyard, just watch me. Like, they want to see that in-game performance. I mean, it, it's just – it's crazy unfortunate for those guys. I feel for them, but ultimately, it's a business. you got to play by the rules, and, and if that's how it's going to look, the Steelers are going to find a way around it, and I think that's going to be relying on veteran guys who know what they're doing in the system. And that's – you know, that's a great point. And then the counterpoint to that, too – Hunter is you've got your young teams in the league. You've got a lot of teams with brand new quarterbacks, you know, Cincinnati being one uh, Cleveland also being a young team with a young quarterback. They need those reps. I mean, it's, it's going to be difficult. I mean, obviously they get right now. It looks like training camp is still going to go, but training camp usually goes for about 15 days and then it starts overlapping with preseason. Yeah. And Starting off, if everything still starts on July 28th, they're going to get their training camp reps. But the, the weird thing is going to be now is if, if they do cancel all four preseason games, it makes zero sense to start training camp on July 28th. Mm-hmm. Now it's like you got to go 15 days out from your September game. So now you're looking at mid-August. Yeah. Move training camp back another two weeks. That's I mean, a that's, good point. That's awesome because otherwise they're going to start training camp. They're going to do their 15 days, 15 to 18 days of training camp, whatever it is. I can't remember the exact numbers because you got weekends and stuff that, mm-hmm. that sometimes you're on, sometimes you're off. And now without even uh, – you, you're usually off to the days and the day before you were playing preseason games. Yeah. So now they're going to have a point where you get to the end of training camp, you still got two games left of preseason. So essentially, like, why – are they just going to not do anything for those two weeks? It would make more sense just to have them – training camp training camp all the way up until the start of the season and then maybe the first maybe up until like have that still that first week of the season then to be the week that the roster is cut down and then you're preparing for that first game yeah so 
ideally that's probably the best way out. So three weeks out, you're still looking at mid, mid August, pushing it back about two weeks. For sure. A lot of interesting options there, man. I love the point you made too about Joe Burrow. I think, I wonder if the Bengals are rethinking letting Andy go, if they're kind of wishing that they had kept Andy around for a little veteran stability. I thought, that makes I thought, zero sense to me. I'm with you, Hunter. That makes zero sense. I wanted, I mean, I wanted the Bengals to keep Andy before this from a Bengals perspective. Like I thought it would make sense regardless to keep Andy around. But now, especially, I can't imagine Burroughs getting the kind of reps he needs. I mean, I understand he's a remarkable talent. He looked his last season at LSU was absolutely one of the best college football seasons ever. Like there's no doubt the, the dude has talent, but there is no replacement for experience in the NFL. And I just wonder if he's actually going to be ready because, yeah. man, you get these young quarterbacks and you throw them to the Wolves too fast and they falter. It could shatter his confidence right away. It could do any number of things to him and just mess him up for good. So I think the Bengals are certainly rethinking that strategy and maybe wishing that they hadn't done that. Or maybe maybe Burrow is just the stud that they think and he's going to blow us all away and be the next uh, half-billion-dollar man in the NFL. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm hoping not since he's in our division. But, uh, yeah, right. but like you were saying, too, it's – Rookie quarterbacks usually get four preseason games against some starters in the first half of games to at least get an idea of what it is to be in an NFL quarterback and in an NFL game. Now he's going to be launching into his first game full speed against a defense of starters that knows what they're doing. Yep. You know, it's, it's going to be a rude awakening for any rookie quarterback to be able to prepare. Like, yeah, you're fine. You're, you're going to get your reps in training camp, but you got to remember in training camp, you're wearing a red jersey. You can't get hit. Yep. Like, this is going to be the he's. This is going to be the first time he ever takes a hit. Will be in a meaningful NFL game. And how is he going to react to that? How is Dude. he going to react to how quick the game is? How fast they come at him? I, I think it's going to be really difficult for rookies to be able to adjust to that, especially rookie quarterbacks just this year. Yeah, any position is going to struggle with it. But the funny thing about this conversation to me is like we're talking about Burroughs just play on the field. Yeah. How's he going to adjust to everything else? The media, the media circus is going to be crazy whenever this comes back because usually these guys would be talking all through training camp, rookie OTAs and everything right now. He would have a comfort level on a normal year already with yeah. reporters, but he hasn't been exposed to that yet at all. So when the floodgates finally open, how's he going to handle that sudden influx of having a camera in your face everywhere you go after every game, good or bad, you've got 12 dudes swarming you in the locker room yep. wanting to talk to you. How's he going to handle all that? Probably pretty well. He, he does seem poised in that regard, I think. Yeah. But the funny thing is you can think that until you get there. It's much like the play on the field. You can think you got it under control, but until you actually experience, because I remember last year I was talking to Devin Bush near the end of the season, like week 16 or so, like definitely – towards the very end of the season. And I said, man, like your play on the field obviously has been exceptional as a, as a rookie for the Steelers, but what's been difficult for you so far? And he didn't hesitate. He said the media, he's like all the media, all the extracurricular stuff. It wasn't what I was expecting. It's been more, more stress and more work than I expected on that front, everything away from the game of football. So like these super hyped rookies and, and Bush obviously was hyped for the Steelers, but he wasn't hyped like Burrow is going to be hyped in Cincinnati. That's a different level. Bush, I feel like, had the advantage of playing on an exceptional defense last year where you had guys like T.J. Watt and Minka helping take that shine away from Devin Bush. And, it, and as much as that kind of made people forget how good of a season Bush actually had, I think that was a blessing for him because if it was just him going out and getting 110 tackles, you know, he would have been the guy that cameras were all over every game. Yeah. But instead, you had TJ and Hayward and Minka doing stuff and kind of dispersing the room, so to speak, to helping to take some, some of the shine away from Devin. I think that really helped him out. But in Cincy, who's going to take the shine away from Burrow, man? Nobody. He's, he's going to have to deal with that. Yeah. And, and bringing it back to Pittsburgh as well, like we know last year, moving up to the top 10 to grab Bush in the draft, he was going to be a quick starter. He was going to be an impactful player. This year – didn't have a first-round draft pick. Thank you, for Miami Dolphins, for giving us Minka Fitzpatrick. I think it's yeah. the best trade ever. But starting from the second round back, Steelers didn't draft any player that they're looking to start this year. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. I mean, if Dotson shows he's a freaking monster at guard, True. True. bonus. If, <laughs> yeah. you know, if, if uh, McFarland shows he can get in on third downs or, or get in as, as, a, as a thunder and lightning with that quick attack, I mean, that's a bonus. Same, same thing with Claypool. 
Claypool coming in maybe on on, on four, fourth receiver, which is probably where he's slated to be, like we talked about in a, in a previous podcast. Yeah. Um, but also maybe if they start utilizing that hype mismatch in the red zone, I mean, that's another bonus. But these aren't guys that the Steelers drafted to be starters this year. Everything is a bonus. They are, yep. but they were drafted because they're phenomenal special teams players. Yep. I mean, I talked with Dotson. I talked with Davis. Both great special teams guy. Claypool is an insane special teams guy. And he that's is, which is crazy. Yeah. I mean, he, he's a gunner, and he's a, he loves being a gunner, and he's also so big they have him in on blocking sets for field goal team and punt team. So, yep. I mean, this, this guy is just outrageous how talented he is and, that, and how Notre Dame utilized him and, and Highsmith as well. I mean, I, they, they brought him in because he's going to be a monster on coverage teams. So it's, it's no coincidence, man. No coincidence that the Steelers did that and drafted guys who are phenomenal on special teams, knowing the season was probably going to be kind of weird. The preparation was kind of going to be weird. Learning special teams is a lot easier than learning the route tree for Claypool. So they, they understood let's at least get him some NFL experience, let him feel the speed of the game, let him get acclimated and comfortable. Then when he's ready, we can start throwing him in the way we really want. There is no shortage of action going on at our exclusive partners, betonline.ag. Sports are slowly making their way back, and BetOnline is leading the way with the best odds and lines for all UFC, NASCAR, boxing, and soccer matches. And if you need more, they have simulated NFL, NBA, and UFC simulations all day, every day, live on their website. Looking for something other than sports? BetOnline has hundreds of casino games, poker tournaments, and prop bets to check out. Visit betonline.ag and use promo code BLUEWIRE for a free welcome bonus. That's one word, BLUEWIRE. BetOnline, your online wagering experts. And I know you and I have had some conversations in earlier podcasts speculating where the Steelers are going to be putting uh, Matt Filer. Mm-hmm. Now the Steelers know where they're going to be putting Matt Filer. Brandon Wallace wrote, wrote a, a nice article for us. He's our editor, also sports writer, and – um, he states that Matt Fowler will open training camp at left guard. So yep. we were speculating that. We know that there's a lot of depth talent at that right tackle spot with Okafor and with Banner. So now with uh, Wisniewski, I guess they brought in to play left guard. But, you know, he's a vet. I mean, honestly, I, I don't see him as a full season uh, starter, a 16-game starter. But I see him as a valuable, valuable spot starter if there's ever a, any injury inside that at all three inside spots, actually, because he's a center as well, yep. and which is something that Steelers really didn't have a good backup center. They had a, they had a backup center, but this guy is actually a good backup center. Something yeah. that's going to really excel if something happened to Pouncey, something happens to Castro, and now Matt Filer. So what are your thoughts, A, on the Matt Filer competition here at guard, and also – you know, who are we looking at now to start at right tackle? Yeah, well, that that's definitely the second layer of the discussion, right? I think yeah. Matt Filer earned a starting position, no doubt. The dude's been phenomenal for them. He even played left guard last year, last year against the Rams to help contain Aaron Donald, so he can obviously do that very well. I think Wisniewski, like, just doubling back on that topic real quick, he's pretty clearly the B.J. Finney replacement to me, where – you don't necessarily yeah. need him to start, but when he needs to start, you've got a solid – I think – aren't the Steelers like some ridiculous 9-0 and or something when B.J. Finney starts? I saw a stat last oh, year. Wow. Like, I, I, I don't know. <laughs> Look it up. I could. It could have been a fake tweet or I could be misremembering, but I swear I saw something like that where it's just like, yeah, Finney, like you don't decline whenever you have to play him. It's not like a bad thing that B.J. Finney has to play. So I think that's what they feel they got in Wisniewski where if something happens – and you talked about – Pouncey getting injured, maybe DeCastro getting injured. These guys are getting a little older, maybe a little susceptible to that. So it's really good insurance, like high-level insurance too. But Filer for sure earned a starting role. And I think opening up that right tackle between a core of four and Banner, that's that's just fun, man. Those are two big, talented dudes. And I, I read on your um, – I, I don't know if it was you guys. I think you guys did do a breakdown of, of who will start between them. Yeah. It's tough to call, man. They each have certain attributes that are that are better. You know, Okorafor's footwork is incredible. He he's super quick. He was coming off a shoulder injury too, which I feel like yeah. every everybody forgot about that. They're like, well, why didn't he look good in the preseason? Well, the dude was playing with one arm. Like, yeah. like I don't think anybody <laughs> looks too good playing with one arm at right tackle. So, so they're not the Steelers for sure are not giving up on Okorafor. And I've seen him all over social media putting in work all off season. 
just like Zach Banner, though. Like, let's not discredit what Zach Banner's doing. He's leaning out. His body looks as good as it's ever looked, for sure. And you can't. Six foot eight, you can't teach that. The dude's just a monster, and he's physically intimidating. Some yeah. of his tape, some of his tape from last year when he got to play is super dominant, man. Like the plays where he, if he can square you up, you're, you're done. You're just yeah. done. Yeah. He's super powerful. So the Steelers love that. Again, it's a good problem to have for the Steelers, man. I think either one of those guys can be the starter and I would feel okay with that. Yeah. And, and it's like, you, you've got the old Mike Tomlinism, two dogs, one bone, and That's you've got it. two alpha dogs with one bone. And, both of them are extremely talented, and it was interesting how we were lucky to even get Banner in just because Indianapolis chose not to develop him or just decided to go a different direction with their new coaches. Yeah. But he is a stealer. I mean, it's the reason why – I mean, th this guy's never played in Pittsburgh before, comes in as the extra tackle, and Steeler fans just start going nuts. And it's just the size of the guy. I mean, 6'9" three seventy three eighty i mean this guy is enormous i mean he's a man among men yeah when he steps on the field and obviously i don't think he has the the handwork and the footwork like you're saying as well as as chooks but he just he he's just going to dominate the person in front of him yeah that's, he that's his job is to dominate the guy in front of him he and, has the stuff you can't teach for sure yeah. and a core four meanwhile is a more kind of polished product getting to that real polished and technical level. So it's kind of brute force versus technique, but obviously yeah. I, I'm not discrediting, you know, Banner's technique or, or Chooks's brute force. They both got that too, but it, it's a fun competition, man. I lean towards Chooks for some reason in my mind. I just lean towards Chooks because I feel like he was drafted to be that initially. I feel like he's he been, he's, he he's been getting yeah. groomed for that. Whereas Banner was never necessarily seen as a starting tackle and will certainly have to just flat out earn it. He'll have to be so good that the Steelers just can't pick him or can't yeah. not pick him. Yeah. So that that's where they're at. Again, good problem to have, man. And, and if you need to rotate them or something based on matchups, good problem to have because I feel comfortable with both guys. Nice. And also, I just thought of something, and I just want to run it through you too. Next year, Villanueva comes up for a new contract. Mm -hmm. Can we be looking at Chooks and – um, Banner being the two starting bookend tackles next year. That's a good question. That's a really good question. Or, or even Filer moving out. I mean, That's right. So many options with these three players, which are good players that, you know, that A, they, well, Filer's also a free agent next year too. So yeah, yeah, right. they're going to eventually have to be paying him like a starter since he's locking down the starter spots now. Yeah. At two different positions, though, fortunately, guard is a cheaper position to pay than tackle. Yeah, and, and Dotson, to me, looks like the future at guard for sure. I, I love what I saw from him on tape. I think he projects well at the NFL level. He may – we may look at him as the steal of that draft for sure at one point. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with that too. He's uh, he's very Ramon Foster-esque with, with a little bit more polish than Ramon had coming out of college because obviously Ramon wasn't drafted. Yeah. Um, and – Foster, I mean, he was actually was a mid-round, fourth-round. We had got yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. So, I mean, he, he was obviously more of a polished product. Yeah, and a small town getting a getting a all pro or all uh, American accolade. Yeah, yeah. huge. And, and love Ramon, love the big ragu man. But <laughs> Dotson's got athleticism that Ramon never had too, unfortunately. Like Ramon just never moved exactly like Dotson or had that just pure killer stuff that I've seen from Dotson as far as just obliterating guys he could be like he does some like Quentin Nelson level stuff on tape which is crazy praise for sure I'm not saying he's going to develop into that but yeah we'll see I I see what the Steelers saw in him at least I'll put it that way yeah and um we have another article out from Jordan DeFigio who has a great piece out um more of something like a, an upbeat piece and I want to share this with you here on the screen oh that's the wrong one it's up. It's all technology here, and I, you know, I don't have to be as. I'm running it. my own AV switcher as yeah, I'm yeah. the show, so this is a producer <laughs> and host. <laughs> Takes me back to my radio days. Yeah. But the uh, Jordan DeFigio did a great article about hope in a seemingly hopeless time, and so many times, two hundred, and we've discussed this in the past that 
you know, Ben has really done a lot of charity work, his canine work where he buys a canine for mm -hmm. every single away team's police force that they, he plays in during the season. That's a yep. huge program that he's done since he was a rookie. Yep. And now he's working here with Vance McDonald, and they're in on the Convoy of Hope. And the Convoy of Hope is a faith-based nonprofit whose main goal is to provide food for anyone that needs it. So yep. this was a big, big deal for our quarterback that we love and who's really shown that he's grown up since his earlier days and still going out and helping the community. That's killer, man. I love seeing stuff like this, and I think – Ben and Vance, for sure, make a perfect team on this. Both uh, very Christian, both very into that lifestyle and the giving kind of nature. I mean, Vance was telling me last year that he actually runs the team's Bible study. So, Oh, cool. That, I yeah. didn't know that. Yeah, so he, he was kind of leading that and took on that role, and it helped him kind of develop as a leader because, you know, he was a new guy to the team, relatively new addition to the team. So it was yeah. cool to see him step up into that role so fast. But he took it very seriously, man. Like when we talked about it, you can tell – it means a whole lot to him and for him to be able to spread that word and to connect with his teammates on that level is huge to him. So it doesn't surprise me at all to see him doing this kind of community work too. But one thing I want to say, scroll back. Yeah. That picture. Well, yeah, dude, this one. Yep. Dude, Ben is huge. Like Vance McDonald's huge and Ben got him outsized here. Like <laughs> just forget, you forget why exactly he's called big Ben. That's a, that's a monstrous dude. And is that Vance's, is that his hair or is that a quarantine beard? No. Ah. Oh. <laughs> It, it looks like it's almost a quarantine mullet, but it looks I, like it's probably a beard. <laughs> I know. That's what I'm thinking, man. He, he stole Ben's beard, I think. Yeah, yeah, because Ben did get it shaved down. Let's sit <laughs> down here in the other picture of him. I know he's down here on the ground. If we can get a – well, he's got a little bit – nope, that's his okay. hair. It's his Coming hair. Coming out right. behind his ears. All right, all right. Fair <laughs> right enough. Here on the podcast, we can work out the audiovisual to see exactly if <laughs> is it beard or is it hair. But he's got a beautiful COVID mullet going on. That's what and, you need from us. We're, we, will die, we will dissect Steelers mullets all day <laughs> if you want. <laughs> and uh, both of their wives also getting involved. So a, a great piece. Thank you very much, Jordan, for reminding us that, you know, good things are still happening even during these really tough times. And yep. thank you so much to the Steelers themselves as well that are donating their time to help make our communities better. So. Yeah, that's so killer, man. I love seeing stuff like that. And, and the title was good, Hope in a Seemingly Hopeless Time. Like, that's <laughs> – Good way to put it, yeah. I have that song that, yeah, I found love. <laughs> yeah. <face."> nice. <laughs> it's like it's always nice. going through my head when I read yeah. that final. So For I'm sure. going to have a disco beat one. <laughs> nice. So now we're going to go to my article on SteelerNation.com from uh, G Striker, and I had a commentary piece, I Am Pissed. Uh, the NFL came out with their ruling on Spygate 2.0, and I said it's official. The NFL is okay with cheating. Yeah. Um, and the, the problem is now this is the third straight – the third time the NFL has been documented ca cases of cheating against the Patriots with no real repercussions. And this one, I will dare to say, it's even less of a punishment than they got during the first – um, oh yeah, uh, Spygate. So first Spygate happened, and they got they got nailed with, um, you know, they lost their first round draft pick at the time. They had they still had two draft picks that round because they had one earlier, but they lost their thirty first one or thir or thirty second because they either won the Super Bowl or they were up there. For, yeah, they think they won the Super Bowl that year. Um, but so they lost their first round draft pick, five hundred thousand dollar fine to Bill Belichick and. A million, you know, another fine. I think all the fines came out to seven hundred fifty thousand. I think two hundred fifty thousand. Yeah. The pay, I mean, come on, money fines do zero. They don't matter. They don't matter. And then we had Spygate, or not? Sorry, we had Inflategate. They lost another draft pick from that. Yeah. And you know, Brady gets suspended for four games. But the next season, not immediately when it happened in the AFC right. uh, conference game to make it to the Super Bowl, right when they're uh, fumble rating was two standard deviations away from any other team. So any statistician can look at that number and say something fishy is <laughs> going on in New England. Yeah. The fumble rate is zero over yeah, yeah. three years. Yeah. And it was because they doctored their own footballs. And they knew they were cheating because after they get them tested, they take them to another room, deflate the footballs, then bring them onto the field. It's crazy, and man. How, how does Bill Belichick get a pass on that? Because – I even stated a 
quote from Roger Goodell, the reason why he was uh, punished so much for the first uh, Spygate was because in Belichick's words, or sorry, in Goodell's words, Coach Belichick not only serves as the head coach, but also has substantial control over all aspects of New England's football operations. His actions and decisions are properly attributed to the club. And then Deflategate happens, the first press release, Bill doesn't know anything about it. I'm yeah. like, what the hell is that all about? Of course, of so, course. I don't know, you know, and then you also got to continue. Like, they won a Super Bowl for for the Flategate. They had three Super Bowls in the hip pocket for Spygate because Walsh came out and stated they were taping back in 2000. And now they've won three more Super Bowls. They got caught red-handed recording again. And what happens? They don't lose a first-round draft pick. They lose a third-round draft pick in a year they need to draft a first-round draft pick to find a quarterback. Of That's course. bull crap. Of course. Absolute bull crap. Dude, I'm super conflicted on this because so many levels of this – look, the Patriots cheated. There's zero yeah. doubt. It's yeah. been documented, like you said. That is out there 100% positive they cheated. It makes me wonder how many other teams are doing it that haven't been caught. I know. I know Steelers fans don't want to hear things like this, but I feel like the Patriots – are just the teams that are getting caught because like I, I take it back to uh, I used to cover MMA for about eight years before I started covering football and everything. Um, everybody cheats or tries. I, and everybody is a blanket term for sure. Not everybody, but you're always aware if your competitors are cheating and you're going to look at how they're cheating and try to duplicate that because as the saying goes, if you ain't cheating, you ain't trying, right? Whenever you're at this level, that extra push can literally make the difference. And would you sacrifice a third round pick if you knew it meant you were going to the Super Bowl? Of course you would. 100% of the time you, you would take that risk. The fact that Goodell is being so soft with the punishments just yeah. tells me that it's going to keep happening. That's, that's all this is. I mean, like, like you said, the money, money doesn't matter. The money didn't a matter. A million dollar fine to, to a team that's yeah. a million dollar industry. That's a, that's a trickle in the pocket. Now, we look at MLB. They yeah. just had their own scandal for stealing signs. Yep. Same thing. Same exact thing. And that team won World Series yeah. and made it back to the World Series again. I mean, they are a talented team. Houston Astros are a talented team. But For sure. MLB is hardcore on cheating ever since the Black Sox scandal back in 1919 when, you know, the, the local gambling rings were paying players way more than they would make anyway for being MLB players to throw a World Series to Cincinnati. Yep. Since that time, MLB has been hardcore. You cheat, you're out for life. Yeah, yeah. We're done. We, we're going to give you severe punishments. And we're talking about those two managers on the Houston Astros were, were suspended for the year. Yep. Astros then fired them. Yep. And then they were fined $5 million, which is more substantial than a one. I mean, that's it's a smaller business than the NFL, and they get fined $5 million for that yeah. team as opposed to a million for the multi billion dollar NFL, the cash yeah. cow king of, the, of all pro sports in America. And, uh, and they get drafted their top two picks for yep. the next two years. Now, if you're going to stop cheating, unless you start doing suspensions to coaches and severe draft pick knocks, teams are going to do it because they've already shown they are benefiting and winning Super Bowls because they're cheating. Absolutely, man. And the one thing I will say the MLB did a better job for sure. They needed to strip the title. They needed to strip the title flat out. I mean, if an, if an Olympic athlete gets busted post-gold medal win, they strip your medal. I mean, that's the way that you say this isn't okay. We take away what you want. And with the Astros, dude, it was way, way worse than what the Patriots did in my opinion. I mean, that's like in such an individual-based sport, if you know what pitch is coming, that's a ridiculous advantage. Like that's literally cheating on a new level to me. So like for sure the Astros – needed to be stripped of that World Series win in my mind. And that that says above all, if you cheat, we're you don't get to you don't get to reap the rewards for cheating, man. Like we're not okay with this. So if you throw an asterisk next to some of the Patriots Super Bowls, you think they're gonna keep filming? I really don't think so. I really don't see that they I, would keep doing it. But until they do that, they're gonna. Yeah, I think they stopped filming. I think when they initially got caught, I thought they stopped filming for a few years and then they started winning again with lower talented rosters so you're like hey you know this works let's go back to it so um but one point i mean definitely it does help on an individual one person versus one person uh thing in mlb for stealing signs but it also does help for the 
quarterback to know what defense the other team's running. Absolutely. Got the defensive signal, they can radio and tell him it. This is the defense. Yeah, yeah. And he's a smart guy. Brady knows what if he's got man coverage versus zone coverage and where the blitz is coming from. If the blitz is coming, yeah. Then if he knows no blitz is coming, he knows he's got more time. Yeah. And if you give him tell him the coverage is going to be zone versus man, he knows who's going to be open and where. Yeah. So. That's kind of what I was going to say. It's kind of the unfortunate part of this is that I genuinely do think Bill Belichick is one of the top three coaches of all time. And Brady is one of the top three quarterbacks of all time undisputed. They, they probably didn't need to do this, but it's like we were saying where when everybody is super competitive, sometimes that little push over the edge is just what makes the difference. So for me, there's an asterisk involved for sure, but I'm not willing to completely discredit their Super Bowls. Like I feel like a lot of Steelers fans will They're that was still an insanely talented team regardless. Um, I do think that contributed to what level. I don't know. And it's all speculation, man. These proceedings, what we see in the media, what we know and read about it is a fraction of what the NFL and the people doing the investigations know about it. So who knows if everything's even been presented exactly right. I don't know. I'm not in the business of accusing people of cheating when I don't have all the facts. So I definitely see slight asterisks. But well, we, we don't have to accuse them of cheating. They have cheated. They've no, been, yeah, yeah, right, right. Three times for cheating. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. You know, as far as for the levels, and I understand the levels of cheating and how deep it got. We'll never know because they destroyed all of the information for, or all the tapes from the first time. I know. So, you know that that is questionable, and and they had a congressional um, investigation at the time as well because <laughs> that affects the entire league if one per, if one team starts doing something like yeah. this. But I mean, and that was his defense the first time was he misinterpreted the, the rule. I don't yeah. know how you misinterpret the rule <laughs> when the rule strictly states you cannot tape opposing teams' yeah. signs. Dude, they're, they're smart dudes with a lot of money. They got the legal teams to uh, – they, they, the they know. They know. But they know exactly what they're doing. But, but to, like, to my point, what teams are cheating that haven't been caught? That That's only why I have a problem with this is because, yes, the Patriots got caught and we know for sure, but that's that's exactly why the NFL needs to make an example out of them because you don't just stop them from cheating. You stop everybody else who is also doing it. I guarantee you there's other teams doing it. It's not like the Patriots are the only team that thought about doing this or had, you know, the gusto to go for it. I'm sure other teams are trying to do that. It's not like it's just the Patriots. But when you catch them red-handed – and do it like make an example out of it and shut it all down don't just let it like now i'm just waiting for the next cheating scandal yeah and one other point i want to make and this is why i see such a disparity when teams are caught cheating is we go back to bounty gate with the new orleans saints sean payton was the head coach he didn't necessarily know about what greg williams was doing with the defensive team Mm -hmm. giving them you know bonus packages for knocking a guy out of the game, um, which is definitely against the rules. But still, Sean Payton, first offense, suspended for the year. Yep. He was a year out of football. Now, I don't know how the league, or, you know, specifically Goodell, decided that the second time caught with the exact same offense, that Bill Belichick is not suspended for for any amount of time. I mean, I'm with you, man. That, I'm that, with you. That just doesn't make sense to me as a fan. It doesn't make sense to me if I was in charge of punishment for the league, if you want consistency in punishment. So, you know, that, that's just the only thing that just does not sit well to me is until you start suspending teams and drastically attacking their draft capital, this stuff is just going to keep continuing because there's no, there's no real incentive to not cheating, which is why I said the NFL is okay with cheating. Yeah, I think the difference with Bounty Gate, and this is unfortunate, doesn't make it any more right, was just that it was such a violent way to cheat. It was very it easy to, it was such an easy way to convince people, like, this is horrible. Like, you got Brett Favre talking about the hit he took against the Saints being one of the worst hits he ever felt. I couldn't remember things for like a week. And this is also around the same time that the knowledge of CTE and how concussions affect players was really ramping up at that time too. So it was kind of the perfect storm of, okay, let's make an example out of the saints right now as kind of this head trauma, all, all the things that go into it, we can use it as an example and really make a splash. But again, tying it back to the patient, why not do the same thing now? Cheating is 
cheating. Like you can't yeah. just because Bill Belichick's filming people and it's not violent, you're not hurting players. It's yeah. no more right. Yeah. You got to follow Hunter on Twitter, on Instagram at Hunter A. Homestek. That's H-U-N-T-E-R-A-H-O-M-I-S-T-E-K. Check out his website right there in, his, in the top of right-hand corner of his screen, homestech.com. Guy's a hell of a writer. Obviously, you know, he's a hell of a sports enthusiast, and he knows his stuff. So follow him and check him out as much as you can. And thank you again, too, Hunter, for being part of our podcast. Of course, man. I love being on these, love debating the lists and getting down and kind of staying plugged into all the Steelers stuff, man. So I appreciate you having me. Anytime. Anytime. Hey, Steeler fans, make sure to come over to SteelerNation.com for the best football forum and Steelers news on the internet. Tweet us at SteelerNation. Instagram us at SteelerNation.com. You can follow our podcast at underscore SN Podcast. You can follow me at SN Striker. That's Striker spelled with a Y. And also come over to the gear page. Check it out. And this vidcast right here on our YouTube channel, SteelerNation.com. So come over to YouTube and watch the vidcast if you want to see what Hunter and I are looking at as we're going through these lists. This is the, a fun way to do it. And thanks for joining us at the SteelerNation.com podcast. I'm your host, G Striker, with Hunter Homestek, rooting along with you as always. Go Steelers! This is Brandon Kelly, the host of Blue Wire's new podcast, Golden Goal. As he takes everybody on, Messi has got it! From Lionel Messi to Marta to Pele, our show takes a deep dive into soccer superstars. From Zlatan Ibrahimovic's brash confidence with the play to back it up, to Megan Rapinoe's heroic outspokenness and World Cup flair. Each episode examines a personality of the world's game. We'll dig into Maradona's Hand of God performance and subsequent downfall. The teenage trio at Dortmund that signaled the next generation of superstars. And that infamous headbutt that slung Zinedine Zidane from glory. Golden Goal, soccer stars and the moments that made them. Premiering this summer on Blue Wire.